The perfect Father's Day gift is the Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig with over 30 cocktails, including the new Jack Daniels Lemonade. Get dad what he really wants at drinkworks.com slash dad. Now through Father's Day, when you spend $349, click through to receive a $100 rebate. That's $100 back at drinkworks.com slash dad. The Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is the perfect Father's Day gift. Get yours today at drinkworks.com slash dad. Keurig is a registered trademark of Keurig Green Mountain, Inc. Used under license. Drinkworks, Williston, Vermont. Please enjoy responsibly. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio, and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer, and this is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. For the next 25 minutes, we're going to talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. Sherry, we're covering the personal growth protocol approach here. How do you make changes? It's not just that it's a a transition time, it's a new year or it's a new month or it's a new week. What if you really want to go to a whole different level of your life? You want to elevate it. You're tired of doing the way it's always been done. Recap, if you would, just in in a minute or so. What did we cover in the last segment? Because they were going to cover some fun stuff. Well, we defined addiction and really unveiled that everybody has behavioral addictions. We get stuck in certain cycles that may not be productive for us and that actually add to our pain, even though we do those things to cover pain or to escape pain. Now, people are going to wonder, okay, you keep talking about behavior addictions. We're guaranteeing you we're going to cover them. Just, like we're going to list them. We're going to list 10 of them Are we going to do that in this segment, Dr. Himmer? I don't think we're going to get there, but you know, we'll see. We okay. never know because you're we, a part I'm, of the segment. I'm just going to throw out. So for an example, like anger or rage. Would be. They could be. Uh, anger is actually an addiction. Rage is an addiction. Yeah. Um, all right. Unsolicited opinions, unsolicited criticism, um, judging, sarcasm, and relating. They're the big ones. They're so big because they're seen benign and they're socially acceptable. Raging around at a party is not socially acceptable. But the four I just mentioned, unsolicited (laughs) relating, judging, sarcasm, and... um, The problem with them, they're not only socially acceptable, they are the social norm. Exactly. And that's what we want to talk about. So we're really going to elevate. And when I do this with my clients, I will point out the subtlety of it. Yeah. So wherever I teach, I was just in Little Rock, Arkansas. I, I met some of the finest people in the world. I love these people. And, you know, that they're, they're Southerners, right? And they're just – and it's a different world for me because they said that might work in the Northwest, but it won't work down here. <laughs> some of it might be true. Um, but we talked about it, and there was a degree of pushback as I'm going over the big four, Right. By the end of the second day, they were they had big smiles on their face. They're sitting around the conference table, and they're naming the behavior of themselves and each other. And we had all these Nerf balls, and they were throwing little balls at each other, saying, "Okay, well that was that was unsolicited opinions. Oh, that was relating. Oh, that was judging, and that was sarcasm." It was really fun to do it. Now we're gonna we're working on asking the question, "Was that?" So instead of a judgment and a should. 
you ask, well, what was that? And that's really fun. But this is subtlety, and now we're off track again. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay, so we're going to pick this up now. At this point, because we've covered we've covered a lot of material, you might be think, psyching yourself up, looking for the motivation necessary to take on the challenge. I'm going to be a new me. I'm going to make changes here, and I'm going to do it differently than just setting a goal. The reality is motivation is exactly what you don't need right now. What you need, and we're going to go in order, is a healthy identity, a new habit, and an implementation statement. So I think there's some really in that, like, if you're feeling like I don't have a lot of motivation to make change, that's okay. In fact, that's a starting point. But motivation is such has such a short shelf life. In fact, if you feel that way, it's probably because you have found that motivation doesn't really work. So you're That's in a correct. good place. That is correct. So we're starting with identity. Because this is what you really do need to start with. And again, this will be found in the models book, which you can get on the website. So the website is himmercenter.com. For all the podcast, it's forward slash podcast. For um, some complimentary material, it's forward slash resources. And to pick up the merchandise, the books, the models book, and listen and lead, it's forward slash store. So you say listen, lead. Listen, lead is a book you wrote several years ago. And then there's a models book that you also use with your contact that's right. called Models and Models and Definitions. And by the way, this entire protocol will soon be online and soon be inside of some sort of a book format. So identity. Your identity is how you see yourself and what you believe about yourself. All behaviors based on your internal subconscious beliefs. And all beliefs are based on previous experiences and then your interpretations of those experiences. So in other words, experiences lead to beliefs and beliefs lead to behavior. That's really important to understand that right. what and how you see yourself is based on an experience now, two people can have the same experience, but have a completely different, different interpretation. interpretations. So um, let's take kids in school learning how to read. This is an important part because you have to have an identity as a reader. Kids go to school, they're taught how to read, or they have, they're given books, they're given print. They go through that process and that journey of what do these symbols mean and how do they transform knowledge right. into through their optic nerve into their brain. And, and some, I've heard some students um, as, or as adults say, when I was learning to read, it was so difficult for me. It was traumatic. And then others, and I would, well, I would I, bring I... in TJ Hoisington. In. Oh, right. Yeah. He, he didn't know that he had dyslexia and that it was extremely difficult, but his interpretation was, I'm going to win this. And he is a renowned author of many books. Oh, and they're good books. And they really are. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a little bit critical about writing, but they are, they're really fun books. So, so if I could interrupt real quick. So TJ could have said, I'm a bad reader. I'm a slow reader. I'm no good at this. I'm not smart. Well, or that that was traumatic for me. Because it's the trauma that leads to the false narrative. So because of the trauma... He will then start telling himself a story, and then it will compound. He will look for things in life to prove that he's not smart, that he's a bad yeah, reader. Yeah, to prove that trauma narrative. 
So we talked about last segment that we all have trauma, right? But it's really how it's we how respond we process it. to trauma, and and if there is unprocessed trauma, there's something we need to work on in this protocol. So the identity comes from the inside out, not the outside in. That's why motivation is not important at all. That's right. an outside in approach. Transformation is an inside out. So we start with, and we we've done this before in the in one of the segments. If I come to the Christmas party and um, my goal is to lose weight and you offer me pumpkin pie and I say, oh, no, thanks. I'm trying to lose weight. My real identity is that I'm fat because I just said I'm trying to. I'm in an attempting of. But someone who sees themselves as healthy will say, no, thanks. I'm not eating pumpkin pie. There's a huge difference in the energy. No, thanks. I'm trying to quit smoking versus no, thanks. I don't smoke. I don't drink. You start the process with an identity that I'm going to be fill it in. So I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be um, I'm going to make friends. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be neutral, whatever it might be. All right. Would you do new habit? Can I just add something to this identity? So your identity is what it is at where you start in, in this growth protocol. You have permission. But to, to set that identity with the what if statements. But what comes in your identity is that that realization of what you believe about yourself is based on experiences and those interpretations. You might need to work on your interpretations. That's exactly what you're going to be doing through this protocol. Exactly. And that's why the awareness journal is so powerful. My goal is to get to the awareness journal in another segment or two, but it's where it's prepped. It's primed to right. go. It's queued up. So, and that's, a good connection right there to realize you're going to be doing something that may shift your interpretation of your experiences. Right. And in fact, the most important thing is that you need to take inventory of that interpretation. Because you can't change behavior by talking about it. You can only change behavior by having a new experience. So it goes, your experiences will lead to a set of beliefs you have about yourself, as you mentioned. Okay. I'm going to insert a question. Well, Dr. Himmer, what if I really did have, I had horrible experiences. How can I possibly change my past? Those, those experiences you had were a singular event. That you had the experience is neutral. It's neither bad nor good. It's how you interpreted the experience. The process of going through and creating a new belief means you get to have new experiences. Those new experiences, when done over time, every experience you have, every awareness you have creates neurons. Neurons that fire together, wire together. In the models book, I show a picture of us hiking up in the Mount Rainier region. And I took a picture of a really deep, narrow trail that we were hiking on. It was a rut in the, in the, in the ground. And, and it was Sam walking forward. And if you were to drop a bowling ball out of Sam's backpack, it would stay in that rut and roll for 100 yards. Yeah. That's a neural pathway. That's a habit. That is your approach. That is your belief structure you have about yourself. The only way to replace that is to start having new experiences by building a new rut. The more you have those experiences, the more you realize that's my preferred trail. The brain does a thing called pruning. When you don't use aspects of your brain, like the, the language, you could speak 130 languages at birth. You don't use it. The brain prunes it. It's not needed anymore. You get to prune that pathway. It becomes a lot minimal a lot more minimal than it was before. So you now have a different way to go because you see life through a different set of lenses. You've interpreted who you are. 
So let's just say you offer me the pumpkin pie and I say, no, thanks. I don't eat pumpkin pie right now or I'm not eating pumpkin pie. That's an experience. I just became stronger. I have a different belief pattern about myself. If you improve 1% per day, a little bit at a time, gradually and gradually, your identity starts to change. And that's what we're going for. Okay. Okay. To move to the next one then, Sherry. A new habit is created through repeated behavior that is physical or imagined, meaning mindfulness. A new behavior or awareness creates neurons. Which neurons that explain. fire together, yeah. wire together. And neural pathways are rivers of flowing behaviors we call habits. The other thing in the protocol is the implementation statement. Is what It's what you intend to do when you intend to do it and where you will do it. So this is part of these creating new habits. For example, like say, I will exercise at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. I will meditate for one minute at 7 a.m. in my car tomorrow morning. Notice the specificity. I will start my sacred hour at 8.30 p.m. tonight. Can we break up sacred hour? Because that sounds... Um, We're going to do sacred hour when it gets to the um, the environment or the foxhole. We know that it's not sleep, necessarily religious. It's not religious at all. <clears throat> it's personal and it's sacred to you. Mm. It's a very protected hour, one hour before lights out. You're setting yourself up for a successful night's rest. Our society is so heavy on stress and anxiety. We're sleeping about an hour and a half less than we should be, sometimes more. Sleep or lack thereof is directly tied to chronic illness, stress, anxiety, lack of concentration, poor test scores, uh, harmful relationships and addictions, including obesity. You get better sleep, you can lose weight. So the first thing I do with my clients is teach them how to create a sacred hour and create a, a container or what I call a foxhole. We, we covered this already, a foxhole with the emerging adults segment. Yeah, just a couple segments ago. So what we do is we, every client I have, I don't care who they are, we work with them on their awareness journal and we work with them on creating a sacred hour for them to start practicing healthy behaviors before they go to sleep. It sets the whole next day yeah. up. It's, it's really important. I, I work with colleagues who come in the morning to school to teach children, which can be a high stakes, high, high pressure situation. <laughs> it's stressful in itself. Right who come from an evening of being at home in stress. They're literally mm. coming in the door huffing and puffing in just exhaustion because the night before, what they're dealing with, their own family issues or whatever, and it's leading them into midnight, 1 a.m. of doing really complicated stuff. So no wonder people are feeling more anxiety and, and struggles and stress is because they're starting their day with a night full of stress. If you set yourself up planning, my implementation statement is at nine o'clock tonight, I'm starting my sacred hour. So if you've, we've been doing this with our son, he's now 18, but we've been doing this with Sam for a while. This is our caboose who's still at home. So the, the last thing I ask him at night is, what are you going to do tomorrow morning? And there's, how's your morning gonna go? So I'm, I'm gonna change subjects real quick. When I do this with clients, especially the emergency, emerging adults, I say, what time are you going to go to bed tonight? And they stare That's at you. That's the answer I got. Yep. 
I don't know. They have like, I, I kind of feel like, and I don't even think it's just emerging adults. Like people have less control of their nightlife because there's so much stimuli that happens in the evening time now. Which is the wrong time to have it happen. When you live in a nocturnal world, that's fine as a teenager because you're hardwired that way. But as you mature and get older, the second half of life, it's important that you become regular, real consistent. In other words, go to bed at the same time seven days a week. Get up at the same time seven days a week. Train your body that it now goes into a melatonin-induced state and gets rest. When you wake up, it's a serotonin-induced state. So it's a very consistent model. If you're inconsistent, how does your body supposed to react? It's unconstant. Oh, this is what I'm doing now. Oh, this yeah, is what I'm doing it's now. It's reactive. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why this is critical. So the implementation states statements are part of a pre-planning process for everything that you want to happen. Exactly. But start real small. Yeah. So, so if I'm going to do health, for example, if I want to, let's say, uh, lose five pounds, just I'm making this up. I start with the identity. I sleep well. I'm someone who sleeps well. Therefore, I, I do an implementation statement tonight. I start my sacred hour at 9 o'clock. I will have lights out at 10 o'clock. And in my sacred hour, which we'll cover, I will have my mindfulness. I will do my awareness journal. I'll take care of my personal hygiene. I'll read something because I want to have good thoughts, ideas on my mind as I go to bed. Because you're going to dream about the last thing that you placed into that brain. So if you're watching, playing video games war games, watching a scary movie, that's what's present in the mind at the subcortical level. It's going to start processing it. But what if you're reading scriptures, um, a really good book? Your mind will then start processing it. And researchers have found that the majority of learning takes place while you're asleep connecting the dots. Yeah. So if your last thing to go to bed is a game or a sitcom or full of sarcasm and criticism and judging or an argument with your spouse or yelling at your kids or putting out a fire, you're not going to get your REM-based sleep. You don't rejuvenate and charge the batteries. So I might get a little passionate here, but that's what I'm trying to explain. My clients who start the sacred hour, I see a difference in their countenance, their, their skin tones, their eyes, mm -hmm. their body language. Mm -hmm. It's subtle, and that's all I'm saying. You're but not it gonna... doesn't sound subtle at all. Those are drastic changes, really. And it all starts with a very simple thing. I'm healthy or I sleep well. I have an implementation statement because my new habit is I go to bed at the same time every night and I start my sacred hour. And you know what your biggest uh, opponents are going to be, your biggest challenges, besides yourself? Oh, your spouse. Your family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they're usually the ones keeping you up at night. Exactly right. Okay, let's continue so, this um, one. We could say the sacred hour needs to be a family event, but okay. <clears throat> I think it's your turn. Well, give your, give your habits a time and a space to live in the world by making your intentions obvious. Mm. And with enough rep repetition, this is really fun. You will have the urge to do the right thing at the right time, even when you don't feel like it. And that's the Goggins rule to me. Goggins is, when David Goggins explained it, he said that when you feel like you've hit the end, you still have 60% left. Because it's a habit. You go to bed or you start your sacred hour, even when you don't feel like it. 
you don't eat the pumpkin pie even though you want to because that's not the right thing to do. It's not who, it's what. So you're going to give your habits a time and a space to live in the world by making your intentions obvious and with enough repetition. Understood that. No, you will have that urge. Motivation no. is short-lived and often filled with the regret that we talked about before. Mm. So if you want to achieve your goals, plan for exactly when and how you're going to execute them. Sherry, I want you to read James Clear quote here. Okay. He, he says it best. This is out of his book, Atomic Habits. Most failures are one-time costs. Most regrets are recurring costs. I'm going to think about that for a minute. Like failures, a quick failure, it's like a one-time thing. But regrets, it's this, it's this something that's Regret cyclical. comes from yeah. a, a habit, a pattern, yeah. and you miss opportunities. A good initial choice, like choosing the right thing to work on or the right person to work with, can deliver a hundred times payoff. However, if you don't have great habits, the great choices are just potential energy. That was pretty thick. And I that like comes that. from his Atomic Habits right. book, a book we love. So the first half of life is designed to prepare us with a principle-based container for the second half of life. Ideally, when balanced, we learn from our mistakes and emerge from our first half of life around 25 to 30 years of age with a healthy identity prepared to cast away our immature childish and teenage habits. And the challenge we have now is it's no longer 25 to 30. The research on the emerging adults is there's now 35 to 40. The current generation hitting their 20s is roughly 10 years behind in the maturation process because their parents were snowplow parents or are. And that's been a challenge. Um, I'm meeting with a lot of these parents recently and they're not even giving me resistance. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, that's what I did. They didn't know that what they were doing was giving them the results. It's collusionary. They were getting exactly the opposite of what they wanted. That's what the challenge was. They didn't know. It's hard to change if you're not aware. One of the, ish, the things that I'm trying to accomplish with the protocol that, that I'm implementing is letting people start becoming more aware of what's going on, hence the awareness journal that we'll cover in a segment or two. When they can see what's happening, things are much easier to change. The container of our first half of life was created by our parents for ill or for good. And in our second half of life, we build our own container from within based on principles that guide us to the fulfillment of our conditions of satisfaction. Okay, so we're covering rules of engagement, conditions yep. of satisfaction. Now we're getting to the good stuff. Rules of engagement. Oh, so the other stuff wasn't, huh? I'm being offended. No, 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 no. So rules of engagement are behavior-based, conditions of satisfaction are results-based. You don't go to conditions of satisfaction without rules of engagement. Right. That's why it's critical. You're, You've got to do it in a sequence. Yeah. Right. So they're all principles, but the sequence of the principle becomes very important. If our original container, the one by our parents, was driven by rigid rules, rigidity, or chaos, right. like no or both. rules. Or both. You can have both. <clears throat> Without a balance of principles, we will then resist our first half of life's experiences and become the very thing we resist. What, what is your interpretation? <laughs> so you hate it, but you become it. And people are abhorred. And then they hate themselves. 
I remember one they're time. They're so dissatisfied. This was the, a Ruth story way mm. back when. I remember when I pointed out to Ruth, I said, you know, based on every, you said this, this, and this, right? She said, yeah. I said, it appears that you just married your dad. She mm. went white and got angry with me. It took her three or four days to process it, according to her journal entry, how frustrated she was. So she, she came went, from a very abusive father. Right. And, and didn't marry, a, you know, necessarily a physically abusive husband, but one who had... He just wasn't there. It, well, and it, it became abuse. It was emotional abuse. And there was a, a, there was a degree of um, satisfaction in what he, the pain so he caused the, her. So the point being that yeah. we oftentimes will marry a mother or a father type, you know, yeah. their, their traits. A reflection. So let's, let's wrap this up, Sherry. Let's finish this paragraph. And then would you give me a recap of what we've covered? So we want to remember that the container that we get to create in our second half of life needs to be based on principles and balance. And it's our container, not our parents. And Very that's really important. important. So we've, we're still just going over an overview of this protocol. But the big pieces from this is that we have to come in with our, our identity where it's at. We also have to work on our identity. Right. And we're going to be creating new habits. We're going to use implementation statements, which is really based off of pre-planning. And then we're going to be at the root of principles, which will be our rules of engagement, which we haven't broken out, but it was mentioned. And that's going to be the way that we're going to be able to form a holistic system change. In the next segment, we're going to cover um, what a persona is, underground truth. We're going to talk about the difference between sin and shadow and what shadow work is. Hmm. So we look forward to talking to you. Thanks again for listening. Remember, you can gather, you can listen to these podcasts on himbercenter.com forward slash podcast. You can get resources at the forward slash resources. And you can pick up any of the material you want at forward slash store. We really appreciate your time. And we look forward to talking to you in the next segment. Knowledge is the power to see more, do more, and be more. As one of the nation's top five community colleges, Pierce College has helped thousands of people like you earn a degree or certificate. Summer quarter at Pierce College is the perfect time to get started with flexible classes, affordable tuition, and small class sizes online. Plus, financial assistance is available, especially for unemployed workers. Learn your power. Apply at PierceSummer.com or tap on the banner to learn more. Pierce College. Possibilities realized. The Western Scrub Jay. I was taking my science class on a virtual reality bird watching expedition. All of a sudden, Charlie Kane shouts, argh, argh. He had spotted the elusive black swift, a bird rarely seen in the wild. For a brief moment, Charlie had not the eyes of a nine year old boy, he had the eyes of an eagle. Teachers just have better work stories. Find out how creative teaching can be at teach.org. Brought to you by teach.org and the Ad Council.